G'day, everybody. This is Greg Ryan, and welcome to Rare and Resilient 1 in 5,000 podcast, episode 16. And today we are very fortunate to be joined by Jack, who's 11-year-old from Canada, who wrote his story in the book, which is story number five on page four. And also we are fortunate to be joined by Jack's mum, Mary. So welcome, guys. How are we? Good. You all good? You looking forward to it, Jack? Yeah. Oh, that's great. So what we'll do is we'll get, get you to read your, your story and then we'll ask you and your mum a few questions afterwards. So go ahead, mate. Okay. May 28th, 2010. A normal day, except I was being born. The first two or three hours of my life was perfect. I was a healthy baby. Nothing wrong. Then a nurse noticed that my stomach was getting big, and I mean big. At first, they were not sure what was going on, but then they knew I could not poop. I was put in a helicopter and rushed to IWK. There, when I was less than a day old, I had emergency surgery where they put an opening for me to poop, but not pooping like normal people, no. For the next nine months, I was pooping into a bag by my belly button. Poop would go into a bag called a colostomy bag, and it would need to be changed every couple of hours. I have one big scar. And that is not the end of the story. They built me an anus that was not perfect, but the best they could do. I've had to grow up with this, and it has made life difficult for me. I have to take many medicines. We finally found a good one. I also have to go to the hospital two times a year. The first nine years of my life, I kept bits and pieces secret. People knew I had vacuum. People knew I was born without an anus. People knew I was different. But I did not want them to know about the diaper. From kindergarten to grade two, I kept a complete secret from anyone and everyone. Then only one or two people knew in school. A couple of times people started to get suspicious, and a couple of people asked me, and I would be like, no, no, I don't wear a diaper. Then, in grade two, I started coming out and telling my friends and people who I trusted about it. And things started to get better. At the moment, it is going really well. For the first nine years of my life, I was wearing a diaper. But this year, that has all changed, and I am now in underwear. Everything is getting better, and I am finally starting to live a semi-normal life. Now that I'm in grade five, I'm pretty sure that everyone knows that I used to wear a diaper. But now that I have stopped, I have not been teased and I've started to feel normal. People look at me, people walk by me outside, and they notice me, but do not pay any attention to me. Because to them, I'm just a normal kid. I look normal, I seem normal, but they do not know. They do not know that actually I have that door. It is tough because with all of this, I still have to put up with the normal stresses of life. School, friends, all of it, plus so much more. And Vactor has affected all of this. Like at school, I sometimes have trouble working because I am in pain, cramping from the medicine. And I've even been picked on due to it. It makes my life difficult in ways no one can see. My future is unpredictable. We do not know what is going to happen in the future, but what we are hoping, what we are guessing, is that I'm going to have a bright future and I'm going to overcome all of this. And my life will finally be normal.
My dream is to someday become a big actor and be in movies like Star Wars, Marvel, whatever is big when I'm an adult. I've traveled a lot. I've traveled from my home on Prince Edward Island to Newfoundland, Toronto, Florida, California, Vegas, and more. I've walked for Hollywood Walk of Fame, went to Hell's Kitchen, been on stage with Penn and Teller, been on TV, and even done some small acting parts, and so much more. I've done lots in my life, gone to lots of places, had lots of fun times, and doing it all, I still put up with this. It has not changed it. Factual or not, I've still done all this, and I'm pushing through. I've accomplished so much in my 10 years of life with Factual, and I will accomplish so much more in my who knows how many more years of life with Factual. I do not care about people knowing. I want people to know, because then people will know, hey, that kid has a tough life, but he still lives a normal life. Then they will know that I'm tough. I am different, and I am not normal. And it is absolutely okay to not be normal. I'm living an amazing life, and I would not trade it for anything. My advice to others with imperforated anus. It gets better. For the first while, it's going to be hard, very hard, to find the right medicine, to find the right people to tell about, and getting bullied about it sometimes. But just keep pushing through. It gets better, I promise you. IA stands for Imperforated Anus, but it also stands for Incredibly Awesome. And Jack, you are one incredibly awesome young boy, mate. Thank you. You say that you you don't know what's going to happen in the future. You are going to have an amazing future because your outlook on life and the way you look at things, and it's so inspirational. I'm so proud of you, mate. Thank you so much. And how do you feel, Mary, about when you watch Jack read the story and know being so such a big part of everything? I was pretty proud of him when he wrote the story. He wanted to write the story and share. It took him a long time to get to a point to share. So he was really quite self-conscious the first nine years of his life. And it's just within the last two that he's really started to own who he is and that he's different but that he's managing it and that he can see how he's going to use all of that maybe to push him even farther in life um so it's pretty cool to listen to him tell his story i'm pretty proud of him he faces a lot every day that people don't see because he looks like all his friends um so i'm pretty proud that he goes through it on his own basically it's a journey you very much take on your own yes that's so true and jack you must owe your mom so much for what she's done for all for all your life He's got two parents that love him lots and take good care of him and certainly want to see him accomplish great things. And how have things been since you wrote the story, Jack? You're like that was six months ago. Have you, have you had any hospital visits or anything like that? We just went to the IWK less than a week ago and everything's looking good, they said. Oh, that's fantastic. It's difficult that... There are experts, but there are not a lot of experts. So it really is things we work on our own. So we check in and we uh, talk to someone as often as we can. But most of the time, it's a journey you're doing on your own. We do a lot of online research and we kind of play things out to see what's going to work. And so he's very lucky that he has the IWK to check in with twice a year. And then the rest of the time, we're usually here figuring out what we can do best. And COVID worked to our advantage because... I was working from home, and so we were able to transition out of diapers, which was a massive thing because it really took, it was a full-time job 
for a number of months to at least get him to recognize enough signs that he could wear underwear all day and and manage that as well as he can. It still has some struggles, but it's better than wearing a diaper. Yeah, and you've become so conscious of it, Jack, don't you, that you're worried about your soiling. And I know exactly what you're going through, mate, because I went through exactly the same thing, but I was nowhere near as courageous as you are, I can tell you, at the same age. He's pretty brave. He absolutely is brave. How do you feel about that now that you are out of diapers and that you go you can go to school and no one notices and that is how much difference has that made to you? It it changes everything. Back two years ago, throughout school, all I was focusing on was okay, let's make sure today we get through it without being teased or anyone figuring it out. And now I'm proud of it and I'm owning it and I'm happy that people know. Oh, that's magnificent. Sorry, he's got great friends too that help him through, Greg. So he's got great friends that stand by him and, and accept him for who he is. So that's really important. I think he's, he's very lucky that he's got an amazing social circle. Yeah, that would make so much of a difference. So yeah. Mary, what initiated the change to go from the diapers to the underwear? Did you undergo a new bowel management program or how did that happen? Uh, it was a mixture of a few things. We're still not 100% successful, but for his self-esteem, we needed to move out of diapers. Um, so because I was home, I normally work out of the house and he has two two homes, so oftentimes just working out scheduling between two homes is, is very difficult, and then both of us working outside of the home. Uh, so when COVID happened and I was lucky enough to be at home for about two months, we used that time to really manage the medicine, so he's on a laxative every day that he takes every morning, and just how to time that right. It's still not perfect. And there are still some days that we have some instances that happen that we have to be cautious of. Um, and it's pretty tough on Jack, but we're only a year into it. So we're learning as we as we go. It took us a long time to find what laxative worked. And we were doing flushes and we had tried everything. And so this is the closest that we can get right now. It's still not perfect, but it's about as close as we can get. And that's all you can hope for. Unfortunately, IA is so unpredictable. And yeah. we have to understand that there will always be bad days. Yeah, all it takes is something we've ate that was a little off or a day where it's hotter out. And so, you know, when you're hotter, your body acts different or a day where he's been more active or a day where he's worried. Uh, all of those things can add to it or a day where he's playing too much with his friends and not paying attention to his body. That's a pretty big thing. And we're still... We're in the process of doing some stuff around our home with our bathroom to make it easier for him when he goes. He's going to get a bidet put in, which hopefully will help quite a bit with his, his cleaning and managing it all. So he's quite excited about that, to have his own bidet that he will uh, be able to use. And hopefully that'll help quite a bit. Jeez, you're a lucky boy, mate. <laughs> yes, I am. It's been good. It's been challenging and I don't know what the future will look like for him, but I'm certainly feeling better today than we were, you know, two years ago and certainly better two years ago than we were five years before that. So I think it's not that it still isn't difficult, but I think you just learned to manage it. And I think we were better being alone in it. I think that's the hardest part of it. And for 
any parent that's probably in any child, anybody going through it. It's a very lonely battle. It's not something I can post on Facebook. It's not something I can tell my neighbors about. It's not something you talk to your best friend about, about the accidents, about the bathroom stuff. You just don't leave home and talk about poop. It's not what you, it's not what people talk about. And, and when you can't control certain bodily functions, it certainly is something you keep very secret. So that's, I think we've just learned in, in 11 years, maybe not to keep every bit of it secret. And also that we can do it without telling people. Yeah. Does that sound fair? Yeah. yeah. And Mary, how has your journey been since Jack was born? It's a very lonely journey. Uh, that's what I'll, I'll say. I'm, I am part of the Facebook groups that helps me a little bit because I'll see something. It's not something that I talk very many people about because it's very emotional. So I tried to listen to your podcast, Greg, to be honest, and I can't do it. Jack listens to them, but I can't because I cry the whole time because I remember what it's like to almost think you're going to lose them. I remember the rods and how horrible the rods were and how traumatizing for him, but as traumatizing for me. And so it, it's been a very lonely journey. And, and I certainly wish I knew people closer that had the same diagnosis and parents going through the same thing. But I've also learned that even if I know another parent going through the same, it's never the same. Everybody's bowel management is different. Every parent deals with it different. I'm a pretty tough mom and he's got a tough dad. So we do our best to manage it, but it, it certainly is a lonely, lonely journey at times. So we're lucky that we get along so well and that we support each other. We didn't know Jack, anything was wrong with Jack. So when Jack was born, we, they handed, we got to see him actually. And they said he was perfect and they didn't know anything was wrong until he was a couple hours old. The doctors had checked him all over and they had signed all the paperwork saying he had all his body parts and they hadn't checked they signed it off anyway so a number of hours later they knew this uh, something was wrong and Jack had to be flown to another province immediately so the first day or so of his life he was in another province while his parents were couldn't be anywhere near him so that was tough on us and and we had to get over there pretty quick so we got over as quick as we could uh, to hold him before they did surgery and and so he's very lucky that we had a hospital close enough by that could do the surgery and we had some great doctors. Uh, Dr. Brousseau, who did his surgery, was absolutely amazing and promised me when he was born they would do the best they could. And I don't know what it's supposed to look like, and I don't know what the best ones look like, but his looks pretty good, and it does the job as well as I can expect. Well, that's all you can ask for. Jack, your mum said that you listened to the podcast. How do you find it listening to it and hearing the stories? Um. I enjoy listening to them because then it helps me feel like and really understand that I'm not alone in this. There are other people out there who are like me. So you are the first person he's talked to, Greg, in his whole life that is also having a perforated anus. So he was pretty excited for this because he has literally spent his whole life not knowing anybody else that has that. Brings a tear to my eye, actually, because... Mate, you're my little brother. I lived all my life thinking I was alone, so I know exactly how you feel and how knowing that you aren't alone, that there are others, it just makes so much difference. And you're 
for an 11 year old you're so incredibly mature like you're mature beyond your years yeah he's very very mature man and uh, i think that's what happens when you're born with everything he's had to face he's had to he certainly had to grow up pretty fast and face some difficult stuff but but it's neat to watch him right now be emotional because he's meeting someone for the first time that has what he he feels like he's all alone with but we joke lots about it we talk about his million yeah. dollar booty <laughs> so we say he's got million dollar booty because anywhere else if we had to pay his medical bills it would probably have been a million dollars and every once in a while when we use bad words we might say something like you know he was born perfect but doctors made him an a-hole and so we, <laughs> so we we try to find ways to to joke around it when somebody says opinions are like a-holes everybody has one jack will chime in pretty quick um, that that's not true not everybody has one <laughs> well you know what jack you and I are normal. It's all these other people that haven't got man-made bottoms that aren't normal. You know yeah. that, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> Mary, how has the school been with Jack? Like, have they been supportive? Uh, we are very blessed that we live in a small community that the school has been very supportive. So Jack had his own bathroom for his first four years of school or five years of school. He still has his own bathroom, but we're slowly trying to transition him into the other bathroom. He's had a steady EA since kindergarten. So he's had the same educational assistant. We have a great system here in Canada. We're very lucky where we live. So Adele's been his EA since kindergarten and she's a blessing. She comes to our house and goes to his birthday parties and follows him outside of school and absolutely cares for him. And he has, Lindsay kind of is a teacher that oversees all of his care. And they've been really creative in, like even just in the last year, for example, we're trying to create ways that Jack can get out of the room right away if, if something happens that he needs to go to the bathroom and not every substitute or every teacher understands that. So Lindsay helped him create this Harry Potter card because he loves Harry Potter. He drops this Harry Potter card in his desk without saying anything to every, anybody and he's allowed to immediately leave the room and go to the bathroom and do what he needs to do and then they know to send an EA out if he needs help but he's also been running his bowel routine so he doesn't have to hopefully ever go at school but the school has been extremely accommodating and I live in a small town that had helped us build a special bathroom in the rink for him because he's active in the community so we've just we're, we're blessed where we live I don't think everybody else has those those great advantages that we have where we're at we certainly had an education system here that continues to support us today when he needs it and that must make so much of a difference to your comfort level with jack going to school and not worrying about the accidents and so forth it, it certainly has and they've they've even allowed me when he was in kindergarten i came in and presented to the kindergarten class about how jack was different and we listed everything. Now we didn't at, at kindergarten age, you certainly don't give the full details out, but we were able to present on enough about his body to talk about all the things that he deals with that his classmates knew he needed to be treated a bit different. And so the school has worked really close with us and it certainly had helped me and having Adele as his EA made that transition to school great. I was very nervous, he was scared. The kindergarten teacher actually just lives three doors down from us and she came and spent some time with him before he started kindergarten to help him feel safe. Uh, so there's been a thousand people on Jack's journey. I 
I mean, I think his dad and I have done a good job, but there's been a thousand other people that have stepped up and a whole town that knows that Jack maybe has a little bit special of a life. So they take, they help out a lot, don't they? There'd be so many parents out there now that have the same anxieties about their child going into school for the first time. What would be your best advice to those parents? Uh, well, I'm not going to pretend sometimes I haven't had to. I, there's been times I've had to stand up for what I believe in. So I think it's important to be an advocate for your child to make sure that you're thinking of them. I, he's my second child and my first child, I would have been very quiet when he was going through school but uh, when I was given Jack and Jack uh, needed had some special needs that were very different I certainly became a strong advocate and talked to the schools I think the other thing is to have faith in you know wherever we're at people become teachers for a reason and I think school boards care about children at the core and I think everyone does want what's best for a child so it's being open and honest And I think it's being prepared. So we had prepared ahead of time and we prepare every year. So this year, school starts next week. I will probably send a letter out to Lindsay, an email, just telling her how Jack did this summer, what new we're working on, uh, and keeping that connection going all of the time. And I just think we're blessed. And some people are not. I know on the Facebook group, I see sometimes not everybody's as lucky as we are. So if you're not as lucky, then I think you have to fight a little harder or move somewhere where you're lucky because you only get one shot through school. And Jack's going to go through school very successful with a good group of friends and teachers that care. You're a very lucky boy, Jack, aren't you, to have that school support like you do and the people that support you at school? Yeah, it's amazing. It's helped so much. Mary, how has it affected your other sibling? Uh, well, his other sibling is 15 years older. Oh, okay. Yep. <laughs> so there's there's quite an age difference. So we didn't have jealousy or upset about um, how much energy it took to care for Jack and still does. And his older sibling deals with some stuff himself. But I think he's very protective of Jack. It has at times, it was traumatic at times when he was younger. So uh, when he was 15 and Jack was just a new baby, Things like the rods were were a massive impact in my household because it's a difficult thing to do to a child. And when a sibling has to watch the rods being used or some of the pain from the colostomy bag and stuff, they certainly, it was traumatizing for him, but it also bonded them together and they certainly watch out for each other. So I think, I think I was lucky too, that my other child was so much older so he could understand that Jack had to take priority for a while. I could imagine it would have been, you hear so many stories from families about how it affects the siblings as well. Yeah. And I think it, I think it did in my household. And I think the difference is my older son very much believes in putting everybody else first. So he had no issue with Jack going first. I certainly think it had, it it played a toll on everybody. It played a toll on my marriage. It played a toll on raising children. It played a toll on Jack's life. All of it played its toll. It played a toll on my friendships. In today's world, I live in a, you know, a life that I don't have a lot of friends because it's hard to invite people over with Jack's bowel routines at night. And it's hard to invite a lot of people into our lives until we get everything settled. We like to keep some privacy. So played its impact so instead we travel together we still do lots and I still am very lucky to have some close friends and you just make the best I think of what God gives you and 
I wouldn't want to change it. And Jack, I think you've reached a point now where you wouldn't change it even if you could, mm-hmm. because it's made you. It's it's part of me. Right. It's, it's it is me. It is you. It's who Jack is. He has Vactral and he has some things that he's going to deal with, but it makes him very understanding of other people. And some of his experience in life would have been very different. We certainly have pushed the limit with him, taken him more places and helped him achieve some of his dreams to be on TV and do all of those things because you don't know how things could change tomorrow. So we certainly make sure that in every day we're fighting now that we, we do lots together. That's wonderful. And, and the photos that you shared in the book when you went to Hollywood, Jack, I could see you were so happy, weren't you? Yeah. It was unbelievable being there. Yeah. He's a pretty special kid and he's, he's, he's very good to interact with adults. And I think that draws attention to him some. And I think he's going to, he says someday he's going to be mayor or premier of PEI or so. <laughs> Jack's sitting there with his thumbs up there. <laughs> well, I tell yeah. you what, if anyone deserves a uh, Hollywood star, you do, mate. Thanks. <laughs> Are you prepared for this podcast to go online and for maybe friends and family that aren't 100% sure of your story? They're going to read it and listen to what you've got to say. Are you, how are you feeling about that? I hope I do because all my friends already understand what I go through, but it would be nice for them to listen to this and just know and understand it even more. I think Jack's always more open lately than even I am. I think I keep a lot more of it private for him. I'm always cautious of, you know, in 10 years time, he's going to want to have a relationship with somebody With Jack, it'll probably be sooner than 10 years. (laughs) Um, But at some point, you know, pretty soon girlfriends, real girlfriends come into the picture and, you know, someday he's going to go to a job. And I'm always cautious on how much you share about how difficult it is, because those things are going to impact in all of those relationships as he gets older and in his future work. So I'm probably the one more cautious and I'm almost cautious with him that I want him to own it but I don't want it to change the way people are with him or have somebody look at him like he's different because he can achieve everything. He just might need to do it a bit different than somebody else. And how did you feel about Jack writing his story in the book? Because I imagine that would have been a big step for you because you're really, you're opening up about the condition, Mary. And how did you handle that part of it? Were you a bit apprehensive initially? Well, first of all, you can't stop Jack from doing anything he wants to do. (laughs) (laughs) Um, As you can tell by the look in his face right now, he he does run the show a little bit. I I was a little apprehensive and I was apprehensive for a lot of people because even some people really close to him that love him a lot are embarrassed to talk about it more than he is. Uh, I was going to write a story and then I just couldn't bring myself to share how I feel and I still won't totally but I certainly try to support every mom online that I can so I think you know what he shared in the story was minimal enough that it didn't invade his privacy but enough that it let everyone know that you know the one where he's saying he deals with a lot we've had a lot of struggles that when there's behavior issues or he has a hard time sitting still the cramping that he deals with is 
is probably the most difficult part of his day-to-day and the cramping is excessive and at times pretty unmanageable, but he'll sit there and still smile at you and he'll sit there and still look normal, but the cramping's pretty severe and you'll see him look off in space or, and it's not that he's distracted or not paying attention or focused. It's that he's trying to breathe through a cramp. And it's pretty hard for the world to know that when they just see him looking fine. So I I was great with the story. I mean, I think him being published in a book was another checkbox off his list. He's excited. He's never done a podcast before. So he's going to check that off his list after tonight. Um, So he has a checklist. And You're going into another hemisphere with the podcast, Jack, because when people hear your story and listen to you speak and just how brave and confident you are, you're going to be a hero to so many and especially to so many little boys and girls who are sitting there with a five or six year old who now can sort of like start to understand their toilet habits are different to others. And to listen to you talk, it's going to be so impactful on so many. It's great to hear a younger, younger guy just talk about it rather than hearing some from an old bloke like me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm assuming, you know, luckily medicine is changing every day. We follow a lot of that really closely. So even what you would have had to deal with, Greg, would be very different than what Jack has to. And I'm hoping when he reaches adulthood, there may be even better options that could continue to make everything work even better for him. Because every day they're doing more studies. It's it's quite amazing. Yeah, and that and that's and we're pushing the transitional programs as well and the mental health. Mental health is a big one. The mental health is absolutely a massive one that I think gets missed in this. Jack was seeing a therapist at the IWK. They were lucky to pair him up, but some days it's some days it's tough and it's tough on little ones. And, and I think it's going to get tougher as he gets older. And I'm not sure we connect the mental health right from day one for the parent or the child. Uh, I think we deal with the medical stuff and forget that piece. Yeah. Would you advocate, parents when they realize that their child is going through some issues to get some help from the mental health side of things every time i jack went to a therapist at the iwk every time that we started to see the struggles and you just need an expert in there and somebody for them to talk to and jack enjoyed that but there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff going on into his head like the I'm just convinced the first five years of school, 50% of his time was sit, sitting there thinking about whether somebody noticed the diaper and whether his friends really liked him and how he was different and, and just every part of it and the cramping and what it's like, you know, they talk a lot about if you're in constant pain, the toll that plays on your mental health and, and these children are in constant pain. Jack will probably never know what it's like not to cramp all the time. And that's, that's a sad, difficult road for him. So he does talk to people about it, but it's pretty tough, isn't it, Jack? He's starting to tear up some here as I'm talking because that's probably the toughest part of it is, is the anguish of being in, in pain and people don't see it, but it's, it's, it's tough on his head. Absolutely advocate for that. Yeah, I can see Jack getting a bit emotional there. But how do you feel about listening to your mum talking about your journey? Listen to it. It feels really empowering that, like, she does understand that it is tough. And it's really empowering and really helpful. 
that's wonderful. I can see the relationship that you have with your mum. Like, and I can just, I'm fortunate that I can see you on video now and the listeners can't, but you know, the, the love and just the emotion that's coming through is just incredible. And you're a very lucky boy. I think we're the lucky ones. We got a pretty special kid here and, I think someday, Greg, he'll take over what you're doing too, because I think he's a good advocate. And I think what you do has certainly started that for all of us. I, I wish when he was born, I would have known groups like this existed. It took me probably two or three years. And when I found them, I was just like, oh my gosh, there are my people. And I might not comment much on Facebook or on the groups, but there are my people. And I think that's what Jack feels like in the middle of something like this, that here's my people. And so you're not alone. You're not alone on the nights that you're crying and, and worked up or, or on the days that you're, you know, you're having a success. Like I'm probably the only mom other than those moms that take a picture of the first poopy diaper and I want to <laughs> frame it up on my wall, but you can't, or the, you know, when he transitioned into diapers, you can't, you can't share that anywhere because it's, it's such a private journey. So I think to find those people there and I think to see Jack, Jack kind of advocate the way he does similar to what you did, Greg, because I think, you know, I, it, mu it must have been very lonely to not have somebody because I think once I found the group, I started to feel like, OK, there were other parents that understood. And then I would tell Jack some of the stories and he would be excited to hear, OK, there's another kid going through something similar. And I think also when I can encourage and he can encourage somebody else, then that takes away some of the maybe trauma from it, for lack of a better word. If I can help another parent get through the rods, then it makes me feel like at least what I did had some payback for it on top of making his anus better because <laughs> he needed the rods. But I think just saying to another parent, you know, it's normal that that felt so wrong and, and that you cry during it and, all of those things, I think it helps you heal when you find other people that are the same. I get the sense that this is probably the most you've spoken about it. Absolutely. You know, and how do you feel about talking about it now, especially in front of Jack? Uh, I talk about it in front of Jack some, so I think he knows. But it's, it's just a tough, lonely journey. So I think... I don't know. First of all, to the parents in that group, I think we all support each other and I know some of them will be listening. So I think even just reading their words, some of them are much stronger than I am and can write things down and, and share their thoughts. And I'm, I'm always very impressed by them. We certainly are a lot of strong moms and dads out there, but it's different. It's nobody else wants, who else would want to talk to me about this, Greg? Like, do you know what I mean? Who else wants to so it, it really, there is no other option. It's not like I can, mother, mothers sit around when they have babies and talk about normal milestones. And, and when your child can't hit all of those, you know, Jack deals with some issues with his spine and some, some other issues, kidneys and stuff. And so, you know, he can't play hockey and sports. He can't ride a bike. He can't do things maybe like some other kids. So instead what Jack does is Jack runs his own business. Jack has written in a book. Jack has been on TV. Jack, so we try to find things that'll hopefully keep him out there, keep keep us feeling active in the parent role. But we don't sit around. And I and I won't want to speak for his father, but I know his father's the same way. You don't sit down and and talk about and perforated anus. I I believe you. I totally understand. <laughs> 
I'm not sure I use the word anus any other time in my life. <laughs> so, and I'm not, I would have had no idea it ever existed up until now. That's the other thing. It's not like nobody ever talks about it. it it's such a, you almost feel a little bit of, not ashamed isn't the word. Cause, and so we try, I try really hard. We try really hard not to have Jack feel like he has to hide it. But I know days will come and I know days have passed that he's had to hide it. And it's, he still comes over and whispers to us when something's gone wrong and we need to leave someplace. And, you know, he doesn't know what sleepovers are like. He got offered a sleepover again today and he can't go on them because if nobody's there with him that knows how to manage things, then it's, it's tough. But you still do lots of great stuff, right, Jack? Oh, he does and more I than feel- great stuff. He does incredible <laughs> stuff, I can tell you. Yeah. This and, is pretty emotional for him too. Yeah, I know. And just you're talking about milestones before and about, you know, changing from diapers. I I remember, and I don't want to try not to be self-indulgent about talking about myself, but I just want to share this story. Is yeah. that when I left school, I I was a very ordinary student, no not very smart. You know, I probably had I couldn't settle in class because I was always worried about my soiling, et cetera, and all that. But I actually, I felt like when I left school, if I could have been graded to keep my secret and get through, I would have got an A plus because, but you couldn't share that with anybody. Right. So that's similar to what you're saying about the, you know, going from the diapers. Absolutely. You can't share. And so in today's world, I think it's come a long way, but you still can't, you still can't share. And it's, it is a little bit taboo to talk about those things and to, and the world just doesn't understand. And we live on an Island where I I mean, we have a small population. I don't know anybody else. I'm sure there might be some existing out there, but even still, it'd be such a small number that you don't get to know anybody else. So, and people, I live in a small enough island that if there was somebody else, I'd probably know, but it, it just is. It's very taboo to talk about. And I'm lucky that he fights through school and he does well. And he's got the supports he's got in the school. Uh, and I think he'll be a, rec- a force to be reckoned with when he's older. I think he's not going to let any of it stop him. He already and, is. Uh, yeah. I think any employer that tries to say that he doesn't have the time to manage these things, he'll be fighting them on that. And, and he will work somewhere where it makes sense around his body. It's tough. It's a tough, I don't know. And I, I know every, every, everything somebody faces is tough. So I don't want to make it sound like this is worse than what other people face. But I just think it's a lonelier one, maybe, than what other people face. Yeah. And I can tell you one thing. I will be more than happy to pass the torch on to Jack to uh, be the one in 5,000 spokesman for as long as he wants because he does it better than I do, I can tell you. <laughs> and a lot younger. <laughs> well, there you go, Jack. Your aspirations. <laughs> and the other thing, Jack, you are the first family from Canada to be on the podcast. So there you go, mate. Awesome. Canada's a very lucky place to live in the fact that we have the healthcare system that we do have. And so I see a lot of other people struggling much more than we do. The only thing that we have is maybe not the volume or experience or the expert doctors the same way, but we've got doctors that care. And so I can't put a price tag on caring. And if you've got a doctor who knows 
Jack and his body and his issues he has, that's absolutely priceless. That's the, to have that relationship with your doctor is just incredible. And that's the most important thing. It is. So Jack, I can't thank you enough for being so open and honest and brave. Is there anything you'd like to say to any little boys and girls out there who are following your journey now, who are a little bit younger, what would you say to them? That it is tough and it will always be tough, but it does get better. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. And Mary, I can't thank you enough for being so open and being such a wonderful mum to Jack, what would you be your last piece of advice to mums that are just starting off on this journey? Uh, well, my advice would start with making sure you find the groups on Facebook that exist because I think you need to have other parents out there. I think get the book, uh, Rare and Resist- Resilient, because I think I could have handled this reading when I first had him. I think now it brings back memories of a more difficult time in my life. And the other thing is just to have faith in in your child. Cause I think, you know, when he was first born, the unknown was scary. And and although we know it's still unknown, he he come, he's come an amazing, amazing length. He's, He's done very well. And they all do very well. When you follow them, they all, they all do well. They fight their way. They find their way. They really are very rare. Very rare children, uh, but very special kids. Yeah. All righty. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure and an honour to talk to you both. And I can't thank you enough for joining us for episode 16 of Rare and Resilient 1 in 5,000 podcast. And Jack, you're going to achieve so many wonderful things in your life, mate. Okay. Bye-bye. Thank you.